I'm reading from the Bhagavad Gita as it is. I'm in the 18th chapter, and the text is number 66. Sarvadarman Prityaja Mamekam Sharanam Braja Ahantwang Sarvapha Pebhyo Mokshai Shami Ma Shuchaha Sarvatarman All varieties of religion Prityaja Abandoning Mam unto me Ekam only Sharnam for surrender Vraja go Aham I Swam you Sarva all Papibya from sinful reactions Mokshaishami will deliver Ma, Ma, do not. not. Shuchaha, worry. Ma, Shuchaha, do render unto me. I shall deliver you from all sinful reactions. Do not fear. Purport. The Lord has described various kinds of knowledge and processes of religion, knowledge of the Supreme Brahman, knowledge of the Supersoul, knowledge of the different types of orders and statuses of social life, knowledge of the renounced order of life, knowledge of non-attachment, sense and mind control, meditation, etc. He has reactions. One should unhesitatingly accept Krishna as the supreme savior of all living entities. With faith and love, one should surrender unto him. The process of surrender to Krishna is described in the Hari Bhakti Vilas 11.676. Anukulyasya sankalpa pratikulyasya varjanam rakshishyati vishvaso guptritve varanam tata atmanishe pakarpanye shadvida sharanagati. According to the devotional process, one should simply accept. That's your verse, Sharanagata. That's your name, Sharanagata. According to the devotional process, one should simply accept such religious principles that will lead ultimately to the devotional service of the Lord. One may perform a particular occupational duty according to his position in the social order. But if by executing his duty, one does not come to the point of Krishna consciousness, all his activities are in vain. Anything that does not lead to the perfectional stage of Krishna consciousness should be avoided. One should be confident that in all circumstances Krishna will protect him from all difficulties. There is no need of thinking how one should keep the body and soul together. Krishna will see to that. One should always think himself helpless and should consider Krishna the only basis for his progress in life. As soon as one seriously engages himself in devotional service, to the Lord in full Krishna consciousness. At once he becomes freed from all contamination of material nature. As soon as one seriously engages himself in devotional service to the Lord in full Krishna consciousness, 
uh, he at once becomes freed from all contamination of material nature. There are different processes of religion and purificatory processes by cultivation of knowledge, meditation in the mystic yoga system, etc. But one who surrenders unto Krishna does not have to execute so many methods. That simple surrender under Krishna will save him from unnecessary wasting time. Unnecessarily. One can thus make all progress at once and be freed from all sinful reactions. One should be attracted by the beautiful vision of Krishna. His name is Krishna because he is all attractive. One who becomes attracted by the beautiful, all-powerful, omnipotent vision of Krishna is fortunate. There are different kinds of transcendentalists some of them are attached to the impersonal Brahman vision. Some of them are attracted by the super soul feature, etc. But one who is attracted to the personal feature of the Supreme Personality of Godhead, and above all, one who is attracted by the Supreme Personality of Godhead as Krishna himself, is the most perfect transcendentalist. In other words, devotional service to Krishna in full consciousness is the most confidential part of knowledge and this is the essence of the whole Bhagavad Gita. Karma yogis, empiric philosophers, mystics, and devotees are all called transcendentalists, but one who is a pure devotee is the best of all. The particular words used here, mashucha, do not fear, don't hesitate, don't worry, are very significant. One may be perplexed as to how one can give up all kinds of religious forms and simply surrender unto Krishna, but such worry is useless. Well, it really makes you think, doesn't it? After you hear that about what a, uh, an amazing offer Krishna is making. And Prabhupada says that if somebody comes in to your assembly, uh, let's say with a briefcase, and says, uh, you line up here, I'll take care of all your affairs. You don't worry and don't hesitate. Just line up and uh, I can take care of you. You think you get anybody in line? You're going to go? I mean, it's a pretty good offer. But then Prabhupada says that, but you might be thinking, like, can he really take care of all my affairs? I mean, he's a guy afterwards, you know, just standing there and, you know, what's the catch, right? You're cool, you said that, right? Yeah, so there might be a catch and, you know, it might be a Ponzi scheme or something. So, um, you know, there's that doubt. But he said, if Krishna says it and you investigate who Krishna is, it makes a lot of sense. He's the Supreme Personality of Godhead. The Vedas say, Nityo Nityanam, Chetanas Chetananam, Eko Bahunam, Kaman. There's one Supreme Eternal who's maintaining everyone else. Prabhupada invites us to look around and see how that's happening everywhere. There are birds eating. They sleep outside, basically, and make a little nest. Everything's available, the building materials no membership card for Home Depot necessary. They just fly down and pick up stuff and you know, they, they have the intelligence, the wherewithal. Uh, they can, um, they're, they're supplied with everything. So he points out why wouldn't human beings also be taken care of? 
And what to speak of those who surrender themselves to the Supreme Personality of Godhead, who's maintaining all living entities. Even Krishna says elsewhere in the Bhagavad Gita, encouraging us to surrender, he says, if you become so absorbed in devotional service that you don't have time to think of other stuff, and don't worry, I'll carry what you lack, personally. Vahami means he'll, he'll take a personal hand in your life and make sure that everything's taken care of. I've never seen anybody better taken care of uh, than the devotees who completely surrender. I mean, because they, um, they attract Krishna's attention, especially. Of course, everybody's being maintained one way or another, Pallad Mara says, whatever money we're getting from our clients or, you know, from the boss, that's all coming from Krishna. It's all his energy anyway. Even our parents who appear to be maintaining us are actually kind of a mask for Krishna. Prabhupada says behind that there's Krishna's loving energy protecting us through these entities who appear as our parents. But he said, imagine how Krishna's compassion and nurturing is like a mother 10 million times multiplied. So it's, a, it's kind of enticing, uh, Krishna's invitation to surrender and then especially he says at the end, don't worry, don't hesitate. So what do you think? You can sign up for it. Yeah. I mean, that's the whole point. At the end, you can just say, okay, I'll do this. Well, on, a, on a morning walk, there was, there was a discussion recorded where Prabhupada's speaking to an Indian gentleman who's proposing that you would need adhikari, or special qualification, to surrender. And Prabhupada interrupts him and says, no, no adhikari necessary. You have free will. And then he gives this <coughs> scenario, uh, similar to what I said before, but it, a different outcome. Uh, you're poor and a rich man comes and offers you a bag of money and now you can take it or don't take it. And so if you take it then you become rich and if you don't take it then you can remain poor. So he said it's that simple. And that's how it was simplified in the verse or in the purport also that you can take and surrender to Krishna. So it's probably a good idea to renew one's um, memory of this verse and what Krishna's offer is. As I mentioned this morning, I think, uh, Jiva Goswami says that the devotee lives by this and is thinking uh, constantly about Krishna's promise to protect us, that if we simply surrender. Besides, it's sweet surrender anyway, because it's a lot of trouble to maintain the status quo, to consider that whatever I have is mine and I have to maintain it, don't you think? It's kind of hard. And then at the end, whatever I've collected or accumulated or, or I'm trying to protect, somehow or other it slips out from my grasp. So if one uses everything for Krishna and thinks in terms of Ishavasyam, Idam Sarvam, Yakinchajagat Dhyamjagat, Tena Tektena Bunjita Magrada Kasisudanam. Everything in the universe is controlled and owned by the Lord. One should therefore accept only those things necessary for himself, which are set aside as his quota, and one should not accept other things knowing well to whom they belong. So what's the problem with all this? Any difficulty? 
Okay, well, thanks for coming. In. <laughs> Go ahead, Sharon Agata. Oh, we'll use the mic to honor those great souls who have joined us online from various parts of the world. Hare Krishna, Guru Maharaj. Thank you so much. This is one of my favorite words. And all those you are quoting, those are all. And I felt so amazed that like you started with this verse. So thank you so much. I, I was saying that when you are explaining and when you are saying, it seems so easy and convincing. But then when you do it, like Krishna wants you like every minute to prove it. I say to Krishna that I surrender to you. I have why I have to prove it every minute. And then Maya is taking and always so those challenges are there. And so then it seems difficult. Like in that situation, you feel that like, oh, you know, every every second you will have to go through that. And you have to prove it that like your surrender, your surrender, your surrender. So, uh, and then sometimes you fail and then you feel that like maybe you're not. <laughs> yeah, also you might think about it another way and, and that is doing the best you can uh, in the situation you're in now because as uh, Prabhupada writes in the 31st verse of the third chapter which is idam nityam manava. In this verse Krishna says those persons who execute their duties according to my injunctions and who follow this teaching faithfully without envy become free from the bondage of fruit of actions. And in this verse, Krishna is uh, giving us another directive that's very helpful. And that is that he's giving special directions in various ways throughout the Bhagavad Gita and, and other Shastras. And he said if you just follow those, then uh, everything will come out successfully. So what might be the problem with that? The problem might be that? Uh, one problem might be developing the desire to follow. Okay, well let's say you have the desire to follow, but then you, you can't follow. Is that possible? To be in a situation where you, you'd like to surrender to Krishna and you understand the rules and regulations and you have a desire to follow them. Let's say you're that far along. But let's say you can't follow them. Is that possible? Mm -hmm. Just say yes. 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 Thank you. Okay, so listen to this um, purport. And um, I think you'll be... ordinary man with firm faith in the eternal injunctions of the Lord, even though unable to execute such orders, becomes liberated from the bondage of the law of karma. In the beginning of Krishna consciousness, one may not fully discharge the injunctions of the Lord, but because one is not resentful of this principle and works sincerely without consideration of defeat and hopelessness, he will surely be promoted to the stage of pure Krishna consciousness. Well, let's uh, explore that for a minute. Um, Rasanath Prabhu, would you like to say why that might be the case? That even if somebody can't follow, that if they have faith in the injunction of the Lord and they continue without hopelessness, and they don't, they don't become resentful of the fact that they can't do it at the time. That's actually what he's saying in the purport. Could you present a theory? I struggle with that, so it's hard to, um, 
But the, the concern is <coughs> when you know what's the, what's the right line, meaning sometimes under the pretext of this verse, I can take it easy. Or I can go in a direction which is really beating myself up for failing. So, yeah, I honestly struggle with it practically. Okay. Yeah. Well, struggle's okay. There's nothing wrong with struggling also. That's a, an important um, fact to establish that um, no one said there was a moratorium on struggle. Uh, one, one could, um, you know, make a case for the fact that struggle is uh, what helps us to grow in all kinds of circumstances. And if I'm if I'm uh, aware of the, um, the center, and in this case, what the injunctions of the Lord are, I become aware of it. And I'm also f f faithful to the idea that Krishna is the Supreme Personality of Godhead. And I hold those injunctions as being sacred and achievable at some time. I mean, there, there may be a way in which I can develop a sort of cynicism that I think Prabhupada's referring to here is, as resentment. And that is that because I can't do it immediately, therefore nobody can. And then I might think that, oh, well, those Mangalartik going, 16 round chanting people, who do they think they are? They're never going to get anywhere anyway. But if I appreciate the fact that others are uh, joyfully performing devotional service or even have a taste for it, there's a way in which I, I may also uh, be um, gifted with some of that taste just by appreciation. Queen Kunti says, Shrinvanti Gayanti Grunanti Sahadava. In this verse she mentions Grunanti as appreciating the devotional service of others. Even when I don't have much capacity, if I appreciate that others do, and I don't resent the fact that I don't have it. First of all, that's pretty not, pretty nice. Uh, and, but the other thing is that it uh, avails us of the the gifts that that they have. It's a, a way in which they actually become available to us when we are appreciating. Um, earlier, were you going to say something? You're just holding the mic. Uh, earlier we talked about the verse jata shrada makatasu nirvina sarva karmasu veda dukat makan kamans pratyage pyanishvara tatobajeta mamprita shradalo dridanishaya jushamanams tatan kamams dukodarkams tagaryan this is spoken by krishna in the um, <coughs> 11th canto shrimad bhagavatam to uddhava and there he says that even if you can't follow, this is describing somebody in the interim period of devotional service who's taken it up sincerely, but then can't follow strictly because Anishvara, they don't have the power yet to do that, to, f to follow strictly what all the, uh, the whole process. But then Krishna gives the advice in the verse that uh, you should continue because, first of all, if you're 
practicing to the best of your ability, then um, you'll become successful in due course of time. And also, it's understood that one would have uh, difficulty following everything from the very beginning. So he encouraged us and he said, remain steady on the path even though you're not doing it as well as you wish you, you could do it. Could you elaborate more on your question? Yeah. You mentioned how if we are doing our best, many times we don't know if we are. Um, and we are dependent on some sort of external sense for that. Mm -hmm. So that's, I think that's one struggle that I personally encounter is how do I know that I am doing my best? Well, I think about when the devotees performed a marathon to publish the <coughs> Chaitanya Charitamrita within two months. Because Prabhupada was really pushing the mission as hard as he could. He had a sense that he might not be here very long. And it, there was also a professor in Chicago who was coming out with a translation of the Chaitanya Charitamrita. And Prabhupada wanted to beat him to the punch. <laughs> And so he, he pushed the devotees at the BBT by announcing that he wanted the 17 volumes of the Chaitanya Charitamrita published within two months. Previous to that, a book, one book every two months would have been lightning speed. And therefore, at that time on a walk at, at the beach in Los Angeles, the, the head of the BBT at that time said, but Prabhupada, that's impossible. And Prabhupada stopped and said, impossible is a word used only in a fool's dictionary. And then the person thought about how to do the, the 17 books in two months and asked Prabhupada for certain concessions. One of them was to not have to put paintings in all the books. You'll notice that there's a lot of photographs instead. Because that's one thing that really held up the publication of the books because Prabhupada had to examine every painting and then give advice about how to modify it. So, in any case, uh, everybody in Los Angeles uh, went on a marathon and then many people came in from different parts of the world to help with that, to complete it. And they, they did it in two months and one day and they had presented the results to Prabhupada. And Prabhupada wrote back a letter to the devotees who were involved, especially to the leaders who made it happen, that I guarantee you, by doing this, you'll go back to Godhead. And then he said at the end, and by the way, you were one day late. <laughs> it struck me also because although you can give your most valiant, valiant effort to, uh, to please the, the guru and to execute the mission of Christian consciousness, there's always room for improvement. So it's not as if you will we'll ever feel uh, like, oh yeah, now I'm doing it perfectly. Because one of the points that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu makes when he describes to Sanatana Goswami in the Madhya Leela, chapter 2022, about the symptoms of bhava, is that a devotee who's advancing a Krishna consciousness feels that I'm very inept and I'm not doing a very good job. 
it's a bit of a conundrum because there's a sense of being um, very lowly and so forth, even as such a person is becoming more and more qualified. It's sort of a constitutional problem because we're so tiny and dependent at every moment and Krishna is omniscient and omnipotent and so forth. We're serving such an um, unlimited master. So how would it be that we ever come to a, a point where we feel absolutely that we're doing it perfectly? That's one thing to consider. But sincerity has its own reward. And that's something that uh, Krishna mentions in the second chapter of the Bhagavad Gita. He says, if you're sincere, then uh, you'll be successful. That sincerity is, is always recognized. And he gives the verses like, if you're sincerely praying uh, for, for my direction, then I'll reciprocate. And, it, and in that, there's always satisfaction. No matter what the ultimate result is, if one can get in touch with sincerity, in fact, there's this great search for that drop of sincerity that one might go on because it's the most valuable substance. And if I could identify it, like, uh, what was that, where is Nemo? Finding Nemo. Finding Nemo, okay, sorry. I meant no disrespect. <laughs> Finding Nemo, you know, looking everywhere, supposedly there was some fish or something everyone was looking for. Um, you know, so we have to also search very deeply. Even in the search for our sincerity, and, and, you know, wishing that we were sincere, there's a way in which Prabhupada said, even that is considered pure devotional service because of the fact that, you know, you're sincere about being sincere. You know how it keeps going back, an infinite regress, right? But that's a good thing. So I propose also that in that sincerity, even if one's in a wretched state and can't do as much as one would th wants to do, and I also propose that you know, we can never quite do everything that we want to please Krishna. But if we're sincerely trying, and we know we are, that's its own reward. I mean, Krishna told that to the gopis, that you, you've given so much, and you have to be satisfied. I can't reciprocate that. The kind of a sincere desire you have to please me, uh, it's, it's beyond what I can reciprocate. Just a thought. What about other questions or reflections? Yeah, with regards to Sarvadhamma and Pratyaja, um, and feeling like there's such a, a, an amazing offer on the table that Krishna is providing us, and so we shouldn't worry. Um, I think many times, for, for me at least, I can say I experience a disconnect that um, I, don't, I don't feel in touch with that offer even as I hear it because, uh, as Rasanath Prabhu was mentioning, the struggle is very high and so I, I don't feel the assurance and uh, intellectually there's a knowledge of assurance which keeps me going and which makes me happy on a, on a deeper level, but um, there's uh, there's an emotional disconnect, which 
is troubling for me um, as I'm struggling and striving and failing and feeling like, wow, it's been a long time of struggling and striving and failing with no end in sight. So how, how can we rise to um, a greater level of emotional connection with what Krishna is offering, even where we're at presently, or how do we, yeah, how do we advance in that way? Well, one of the aspects of uh, fortification in Krishna consciousness that Haridas Thakur mentions and Chaitanya Mahaprabhu endorses is Sambandha Gyan, is getting a regular uh, information about who Krishna is. There may be um, help in recognizing uh, Krishna's greatness because if one has a more and more uh, clear understanding of who he is. For instance, the other day, when I was doing a search on the Veda base, I came across a thread in which I noticed Prabhupada saying how friendly Krishna is. And then he'll say, he's so friendly that he, f he goes with us wherever we want to go. I felt so, after I read all those quotes about how friendly Krishna is, I felt much better about my life. <laughs> Because there is a phenomena in which, um, because I have freedom, and because I've made bad choices, I can then start to think that my struggles are Krishna's fault. And getting out of that and into a clearer understanding of actually how Krishna has given us freedom, and it's actually good news that I'm the one who got me into this in the first place, which is the mainstay of any self-help guru in the world. It's not what happens to you that matters, it's what you do about what happens to you. But, you know, Krishna is, of course, the Adi self-help guru. And, has, uh, and Brahma points this out, that, you know, devotees think like this, and very rightly so, that he, it's, it's actually a bright spot that Oh, I understand. It's because I, I, I worked in ignorance somehow, and I caused myself some... Um, I, I've become implicated in some kind of energy that has nothing to do with me, first of all. This is, I'm not part of this. And that there's help immediately available just by really not struggling so hard and taking shelter of Krishna. And it, making a, a peace with the struggle, accepting that whatever kind of reaction is co coming, including my own inability to fully take advantage of Krishna's offer, is uh, part of what I've caused by uh, flailing so much here in the material world and, and really getting caught up. So back to Sambandhagyan, there's a way in which if I hear more about Krishna's quality of being friendly. It's very reassuring. And also hearing from those who have taken advantage of, of Krishna's mercy, and, uh, and even those who didn't try to take Krishna, uh, advantage of Krishna's mercy, but got it anyway. 
uh, for instance, in the Vrindavan pastimes, there are many demons and demonesses like Putana, who really weren't planning on surrendering. But because they came close to Krishna, she, uh, for instance, Putana, she got Krishna's full mercy. So much so that Brahma in his prayer says, my dear Lord Krishna, do you have any mercy left? I mean, you extended yourself so far to, to save Putana, and you gave her so much. I don't know if you have anything left for the residents of Vrindavan who are, who are so surrendered to you. And the devotees are sort of gushing with this idea about how merciful Krishna is, and really getting caught up in that kind of Krishna kata, and understanding the substantial nature of you know, Krishna's power uh, to, to deliver us, and his intention to do so, really is um, something that if, you know, let's just say that you're broke, busted, oh, you know, it's already there. It's just a matter of time to, to, that's separating me to realize it. And, the, and in the interim, uh, the devotee is not so much worried about the various kinds of disturbances that might come, including one's own inability. I mean, that's really what is mentioned in this verse here. Don't be disturbed by your own ineptitude. Just, um, you know, take bhakti as, as the way of accepting full grace. It might even be more of a qualification. Jiva Goswami writes in his Sandarbha that the only qualification uh, for people in the Kali Yuga is their disqualification. I mean, these guys are so disqualified in this age <laughs> that, all right, just give it to them, you know. And so, you know, it's like, yeah, and that's even what the Goswamis were saying. It's like, us first. See, you're promising that you're the savior of the most fallen. We're it, right here. And if you don't give it to us, in that song by Nartam Dasakur, he says, then don't call yourself Patita Pavana anymore <laughs> because I am the most fallen. And if you don't give it to me, then you're going to have to change your name after this. The devotees, they, 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 they actually relish that. Even the great Acharyas like Bhaktivinoda Thakur, Amara Jivana, he's going into that just relishing a feeling uh, uh, that utter humility and being the most fallen, admitting all his faults. He goes through a, a list, you know, just writing out. When other people are happy, I feel very disturbed, even though internally, uh, externally I'm showing, eh, you know, and, and when other people fail, I become so happy. I'm always speaking lies, even though I don't have to. Mitya bashi. That's my ba my basha is lies. I just lie about everything. I'm a big fake advertisement for a big false ego, and he just he he's relishing pouring this out. That Krishna, I'm, I'm so fallen and lowly and disqualified, unqualified, and so forth. And so, hearing about Krishna's mercy to others, and then just uh, put in your application. I mean, because once the application's in, then there's a lot of hope. As that's something else Rupa Goswami says that, you know, now that I've applied for your mercy, I, you know, I have this great hope that's always there in my heart. You know, like you apply for something like a visa or something like that. And nowadays you might be a little doubtful if you're actually going to get anything. But when you, again, you apply for Krishna's mercy, you fill out all the forms. And you say, okay, I don't have any... They ask, what's your qualification? You just put in nothing. 
<laughs> I got nothing here. And <laughs> you just put it in anyway. As you hand in your test at the end for your SAT. <laughs> I didn't know any of the answers. Nothing. But then you've been informed. There's a professor back there or a, gra a test grader who will just pass you anyway. I mean, that's Krishna. He'll give you the, he'll just, all right, I don't care. At least he turned it in. You know, that's a part of Sambandha Gyan, understanding what our relationship with is Krishna. And that's what, uh, you know, Lord Nishingadev told the Prahlad Maharaj after that whole ordeal with Hiranyakashipu. He said, okay, take a benediction. Prahlad said, I don't want anything. He said, no, no, you take, I give. And Prahlad said, I don't want anything. He said, no, no, take. You don't understand, I'm Bhagavan, I give. <laughs> and, then, and then Prahlad said, okay, benediction that within the core of my heart I have no material desires whatsoever. How about that? No, something else. <laughs> and he said, you deliver my father, which is amazing because his father was so abusive to him. And he said, and Lord Nishingdave said, already delivered, along with generations of your family backwards and forwards and so forth. So Krishna's magnanimous nature and the fact that he can actually do something about it I mean, that's, that ought to put a, a spring in our step and know that the application's in and Krishna's available. So Sambandha Gyan's important, remembering that he's all-powerful. Once when I was sitting at uh, Govardhan for Prashadam, I sat next to Burijan Prabhu, and, and he goes, hey, you want to hear something? <laughs> Prashadam wasn't there yet. And I go, yeah, I want to hear something. And he, and he says, okay, Krishna's all-powerful and he's all-merciful. And he said, if he was all-powerful but not all-merciful, we'd be in big trouble. And if he was all-merciful but not all-powerful, then who cares? Because what can he do? A lot of people are like that. He said, but he's both. And therefore, you have every right to feel optimistic. Sambandha again. That it checks in the mail. I feel happy. And whatever, whatever kind of a struggle is coming to me, it's, it's actually purification. And uh, Prabhupada writes in one of his purports that the servant who can take the punishment of the master as a reward gains the intelligence not to repeat the same mistake. Punishment as a reward. I mean, talk about live to be corrected, right? But it's like, you just got smashed and it's like, that was my reward. It's like, who is this person? <laughs> That, but that's the, that's the way somebody thinks when they have this idea uh, clearly in mind and in heart that Krishna's so friendly. He's so friendly, nobody can believe it. I mean, he delivers Putana. And they're all, uh, what'd you do that for? She was the worst. She was a baby killer. And Krishna, then in the Bhagavad Gita, he's saying, Api I don't care who this person is or what they've done. is a means by which we can really advance if we take it as such. And uh, I was just thinking, it's such a common theme throughout the whole Bhagavatam. You see with Dhruva Maharaj and Prahlad Maharaj and Bharat Maharaj and so many others, they have to go through these really heavy material sufferings, but they on, at, at the end they come out pure devotees. You know, and, um, and so I, I just thought that was a really nice point. Um, 
it's like the antithesis of what uh, other spiritual sects tend to uh, um, advertise that God is supposed to just advertise uh, or advocate for you and take all your troubles away in, in that way. Um, um, but in reality, it's, it's those troubles which help bring us closer to Him. Yeah, that's a good point. Actually, after the class this morning, Pancharatna Prabhu was saying, so, you know, what are you trying to say? Is this like, if you just surrender once and then you don't have to do anything? But the point you made here is, is appropriate. There is some struggle which is purifying. There's a commentary on the sixth canto of the Bhagavatam by Vishnu Chakravarti Thakur when he's talking about Ajamil and the holy name and when it fructifies in one's life. And he does mention there that uh, the lives of, he mentions Bharat Maharaj going through several lives. And he says that some devotees, they desire such a high level of purification that really, it's not like they don't mind, he said, going through these things, but they, they do that. The Krishna arranges it so that they get fully positioned uh, for pure devotional service. After all, I'm not willing to do it myself, perhaps. I heard a story of two policemen walking in Delhi. And one of them was saying to the others, other because they were patrolling a neighborhood where there had been some thefts and they one said to the other you know it's ironic that we're policemen we're trying to stop thievery uh, however our god is known as a chore he's always stealing uh, and you know he steals his name's Hadi he takes away he's uh, muck and chore and so forth and uh, so how do we reconcile this and the other one said actually uh, we're really lucky because uh, although people put up high walls and chains around their houses somehow or other uh, thieves, thieves figure out how to get in go past the alarm system and so forth he said Krishna is the most expert and even though we put up a high wall around our heart and try to chain in all our anartas that I'm gonna at least let me keep half of them or at least some of them uh, you know, I mean what do you expect from me Krishna is really expert at stealing them and uh, penetrating the, the fortress and taking them away. And this is sort of the indication that that's his friendliness. Uh, don't expect just a, a passive life of, you know, when one surrenders to Krishna, there's ways. Srimad uh, Bhagavatam, uh, Krishna was just describing how some people. They worship demigods to fulfill their desires. But then he said, some people approach me, but then they ask for material benedictions again and again. And he said, yeah, I'll give them the benedictions, but I'll do it in such a way that they won't ask for it anymore. And he said, that way I give my special mercy to people. But then one could think, uh, you know, how could I help the process along a little bit? Giri Rajmarsh tells a story about how in, in Mumbai, there was this young man who was helping translate Prabhupada's books into Marathi. And his father would come along with him sometimes to meet Prabhupada when he was discussing the translations. And the father had a habit of smoking cigarettes. And so uh, he asked Prabhupada, you know, I need your special mercy to overcome this habit. And Prabhupada said, you can get Krishna's special mercy, I can request. 
He said, but when Krishna gives a special mercy, he makes you so miserable that you'd be forced to give it up. He said, would you like the special mercy? And like, no, 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 Prabhupada. <laughs> I'll do it myself. And so there is a case for preemptive uh, surrender. And, you know, um, if, you, if you die to the world, uh, at least, you know, you don't have to do it all at once, but start considering it. It's mentioned elsewhere in the Bhagavatam. Uh, that um, when death comes to your door to take away everything, it's al everything's already gone. Sorry, nothing left. And so this idea of preemptively um, assisting Krishna. So maybe I can't do that either. However, I was thinking once when I was observing an anarta that had floated into my mental system, that at least I could um, tell Krishna that I'm not capable of, of uh, getting this out. And therefore, I'm going to sit here and chant and take a risk and ask that if you would come in and take it, take it out for me. I mean, it's worth a try, right? Like, I'll leave the back door open and I'll keep my eyes closed. And you just come in and take it. <laughs> of course, it, it's even more um, exciting if one identifies what it is and exposes it with the light of consciousness that this is really the problem. We were talking about this earlier, right? If one, if one can analyze one's life and f find out where the weaknesses are and then admit those to Krishna. And Prabhupada writes about this in one of the small books that he published. He said, it's one type of prayer to go before Krishna and admit your frailties and admit the way that you're struggling against the material nature. Isn't that nice? And he said, you can tell Krishna that I'm being flung this way and that in the material ocean. And just tell him what, you know, how you're suffering. And, and admit, you know, I'm really bad at this. I don't know what to do. And um, yeah, the other day I was walking out of the door and I asked Nirkula, you know, what should I do? And she goes, keep praying. Because, you know, she knew I was dealing with like a, a big basket of problems. So I just said, what should I do? And she said, keep praying. And that really helped, actually. Because, you know, I kept thinking, you think, like, how do I solve this or that? But there is no solution, ultimately, to a lot of these things. They have to solve themselves. And um, however, if you keep the prayer going constantly, Krishna, I don't know what to do. You please help. Krishna, I, got, I have an artist. I don't know what to do. Could you help me? Then he's so friendly that, you know, he could reach in and take him out and say, I'll, you know, I'll handle this. So it really... You know, such an important aspect of bhakti is just depend on Krishna. And that's a lot what this verse means. Sarva dharman paritya Admit that I can't do it myself, but at least give much. That um, if you do it, then I won't complain. What do you think? Okay. Well, Yes. Could you please tell us a little bit about discipline, self-discipline? Because I find it very inspiring and uh, I know... Cheating is described that you, 
you're doing the process in order to get something in return. That you're not trying to uh, please the Supreme Personality of Godhead, but you're doing it to position yourself in a better way for sense gratification. Dharmasya hyapavargasya nartor to yopakalpate nartasya dharmaikantasya kamulabhaya hismita. Bhagavatam goes on to say, don't use uh, any kind of religious practice in order to get sense gratification. It's not meant for that. It's meant for the uh, investigation of our relationship with Krishna and, and how to be situated in selfless service. So therefore, uh, in the Gita, Krishna recommends that uh, we work for him. So if you're working, there's, there's nothing that is uh, inherently illegal except for you know, obvious sinful activities, but working in and of itself is not bad. It just needs to be uh, used as a sacrifice for Krishna. So if you consider that the work I'm doing is, has been allotted to me by the Supreme Personality of God and I'm doing it for Him, and then actually do dedicate the fruits of your work to some extent, the extent that you can, to Krishna, then you start to notice that uh, you become self-realized by that yagya. Interestingly, when you give away the fruit of your work, there's something you'll notice right away, as soon as you give it away. What do you think that is? Yeah, but there's something even more profound. Yes? I'm still okay. I'm still alive. <laughs> you know, it's amazing because the mind's going like, don't do that. You know, if you give that away, you're going to, you know, because there's a survival mode that I'm thinking I have to hold on to everything material to survive. That's how I'm programmed here in the material world. But when you give it away, it's so counterintuitive. You're giving it to who? Like, why? You know, why don't you just keep it? But then when you give it away and you notice, not only am I alive, I feel like a bigger person. And it starts to open up for you a vision of how the super souls there actually taking care of you. And you can become more, uh, you can become self-realized just by doing your work. Krishna says, in the 18th chapter of the Bhagavad Gita, do your work according to your, your quality uh, that you've gotten from material nature and you work in that way, but dedicate it, connect it to the Supreme Personality of Godhead and you'll become self-realized. Yes, Prabhu? Hare Krishna Maharaj. So you were quoting that if one does more than what one's qualified for, then it's a fault. So how do we understand what our qualification is? Should we not try? What's a healthy way of pushing ourselves without sort of stepping that line? How do we understand how much to do? It's important to have uh, guidance. And uh, oftentimes those who are more advanced in devotional service and who are well-wishers can help us understand when we're doing um, too much or can also tell us how to adjust things in a way that you know we can be more productive. And of course Krishna may send people to us to uh, give us advice, but it's, it's advantageous to position oneself in such a way that you're already getting that on a regular basis. And uh, you can check in with uh, those who can observe what you're doing and how you're doing it and ask them, well, how do you think I'm doing? Do you think I'm doing too much? Or do you think I'm doing too little? And if they say, 
um, you know, you're doing fine, then you if you if you organize your life as as a um, offering to Krishna, and you take some austerity for the sake of uh, making your life an offering to Krishna, then it's um, it's very deliberate. First of all, and, you know, Prabhupada used to tell about the rascal Gopalaban. His friend said, Gopalaban, you're such a rascal. You never offer anything to Krishna. And he's walking across the field with some grains in a big basket. And the wind came and blew the grains into the air. They were going to be lost. So he pointed up there and he goes, I offer that. <laughs> you don't get as much credit than if you, you, know, you actually picked the grains and you gave it to Krishna. I often talk about this, especially on fundraising drives, about preemptive <laughs> giving. As I, I tell the story, I went to Radhakund when I was at Kartik one year, and I went in to take my bath before the Kartik started, and I put my clothes on the bank, put on a gumshaw, went in the Radhakund, and when I looked back, everything was gone. My beads, my, um, my... I mean, I had stuff in my pockets, my notebooks, my pen, everything, whatever I was carrying down there, not my luggage or anything like that, but the, there was enough stuff, but... The other thing was I had to walk home about four miles in a gumsha. And I pretended I was a sadhu walking along. But when I got back to the ashram, it was the beginning of the month, and I always give a donation to the temple president there at the ashram at the end. But this time I walked right in, got out the, the donation, I brought it right to him as the day that was started. It's because I was so aware of the fact that uh, everything I have can be unceremoniously taken at any second. So that's when I thought of my doctrine of preemptive giving. See, the thing is, if you give it uh, willingly and preemptively, then you get credit. You can become as famous as Bali Maharaj. But if it's taken away from you unceremoniously, then you're just like everybody else. And you don't get anything from it. It's just You just lose it. So it's if you plan ahead, and that's what um, devotees do to to live in such a way that they're already um, living in that mode of uh, surrender to Krishna, whatever that means for any particular person, actually, it differs. Uh, but be fully aware of the fact that you're dedicating everything to Krishna and don't lose that and slip into um, thinking that I, I own this, I enjoy it, and so forth. Then uh, there's not much pain at all. Because as I said before, Prabhupada used to say, cheat death before death cheats you. And you know, if, you, if you've already surrendered everything, like it all belongs to Krishna, and uh, you know, those things that you're really attached to, that, that you can't use in Krishna's service, somehow or other you find a way to divest yourself. Jai Waitamaraj told me once, he said, there's a lot of investment um, advisors. He said, I'm going to become a divestment <laughs> advisor. <laughs> <laughs> how to get rid of everything. And again, we're not preaching just dire renunciation, but it's a mood. It's the mood, you know, that you, if you preemptively develop that mood of how everything belongs to Krishna, it's being used in his service, and those things that, that I can't use in his service, somehow or other, that I don't keep them around. I keep my life uncluttered. Then what's there to take? And there, there really isn't any suffering. And yes, you do get more credit because it was done thoughtfully. Because intention counts. You'll find that if you ever 
have a friend who has to go to court, uh, that uh, the, what the jury wants to know is, did he mean to do it? And, uh, and if they find out, like, that was his strong intention, I mean, if he did something bad and he really intended to do it, it's a much worse crime than if he did it accidentally. So it's the same thing with devotional service. If you think it up and preemptively do it, then you get much more credit. That's why Rupa Goswami says, Tanam Rupa Charitari Sukirtananu Smritya Kramena Rasanamanasini Yoja Tishtan Raja Tananuragi Tananugami Kalam Nayat Akilam Itu Padesha Saram that organize your life around this principle so that uh, everything that you have and all the ways that you're living are dedicated to the process of devotional service. And in that way, you'll naturally advance and go to the spiritual world, following in the footsteps of the residents there. Anyway, birds fly in the sky as high as they can. The sky is unlimited. We, uh, we talked at least about the Sarvadharma Pritya verse, which um, one could read over and over again. The first time I read it was in a Back to Godhead magazine that I received at my doorstep, and I couldn't believe it. I thought, this is amazing. I'd like to try this. And, um, you know, one could simply go on trying. And you never know what's going to happen in this crazy life of ours. But one thing's for sure, if you try to surrender to Krishna, he'll make all arrangements to help you. And even if you do it one time sincerely, he says, Ramachandra says that, I note that forever. And it's never taken back. What to speak of somebody who's trying it with every breath and keeps praying, Krishna, please let me surrender to you and take advantage of, of your mercy. Gorpremanande Haribo Nitai Gora Haribo 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 Nitai Gora Haribo Nitai Gora Haribo Bonitai Gora Hari Bo. Vanchakopadu Risha, Krupas and Veva Chapatitanam, Pavanibu, Vaishnavibu. Natchari Armarman, Natchari Armarman, Natchari Armarman, Natchari Armarman, hey, Natchari Armarman, Natchari Armarman, Natchari Armarman, Natchari Armarman.